I learned how to pick up myself from hitting rock bottom and going up the ladder again. Because what I learned was going through all these life experiences, people can tell you what to do, but healing is a choice, no matter how many years you go for therapy. But it's up to you to take up the information that you are given and to use it to heal your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collectively Real. I am your host, Selena Justine, and today my guest is Rose Mupambwa. Rose is a relationship coach, life coach, and the author of the very powerful book, Exhume or Heal, A Widow's Memoir. For a while, all Rose saw in front of her was black. She takes us back to when she felt stuck and shackled in her brokenness, and even reveals that crying about the pain and loss without taking any action to heal is actually self-destructive behavior. Rose goes over different healing therapies we can try out and how learning to forgive the past is the key to letting go of the brokenness and bitterness. She picked up the pieces of what was left and absolutely transformed her life. Her mission is for you to come out reinvented and stronger than ever. Join me in my conversation with Rose. Hi everyone, I'm Selena Justine and this is Collectively Real. Thank you for tuning in. Each episode is about life, whether it's a story or experience I have of my own that I like to share or that of someone next to me. Storytelling is so important to me and I have found that this is the best tool for us to learn. Each one of us is a gift to each other and I want to highlight that as much as I can. Collectively Real is where I interview real people with real stories. Collectively real. Collectively real. Well, hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining. Where are you joining from, by the way? Uh, from Calgary. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Alberta. And where are you? In California? Is, yes. is that right? Yes, I am oh, in California. Wow. You guys have the beautiful weather over there. Oh, thank you. It's not too shabby. <laughs> 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 well, before we begin, I start each episode with the gold and the gray. So the gold is a good thing of the day so far. And then the gray mm-hmm. is a not so good thing. So I'll go first. Then you can lead by example. So let's see. Okay. My goal for today is remaining productive. I've had a very productive day, got to the office at 10 a.m. And I've just, well, I have this recording and then I've been editing another episode. And then hopefully when I get home, I'll get a few other things done as well. And then my gray is, I've been craving visiting the beach for a while now and Santa Cruz specifically. So I haven't been yet, I think since the summertime. So that'll be my gray. What's your golden, your gray? My golden is, um... Yesterday, I spoke to one of my clients down in South Africa. Uh, I'd given her some homework to do. So today, she sent me the homework online. And I read through it, and I was really happy that um, we were able to break down all the barriers that she was struggling with. And she has really started to find her footing. Uh, My gray is, I am just so tired of the pandemic. Yeah. I want to get out of the country and travel Me too. somewhere away from here, you know. But because of the restrictions, I can't even go anywhere. Yeah, I hear you on that. I love your gold and I agree with your gray. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully, you know, sooner than later, this will all be done yeah. and just behind us. 
Yes. Fingers are crossed. Fingers crossed. So we'll get into the episode then. And you're the author of this very powerful book. It's called Exhumer Heal, A Widow's Memoir. And one of the reasons I thought you would be a great fit for my show is that your ultimate goal is to help and encourage others to come out reinvented and stronger and ready to start over again. So can you get into your story? I know you unfortunately lost your husband in the year of 2000. And while having three kids, I can't even imagine. And can you go through those emotions with us? Yes. Um, I lost my husband, as you said, in 2000. My youngest child was only five years. Mm. And during that time um, in my country, uh, whenever a widow was in the grieving moment, is the in-laws that actually took over the, the funeral arrangements, everything. So it was like I was so powerless. After a, a month or so, that's when I discovered really that uh, the people that I expected to be there for me were not there for me. They were actually betraying me. I had to, to stand up for myself, even to go to court in order to, to keep my children it was that bad. But then uh, during the grieving moment or during my journey, my dad had moved in with me. So I was actually living with my dad for almost two years. But uh, sadly, in 2003, he also passed away. So it was like, you know, uh, the covering that I thought I had, which was my comfort and my refuge, my dad just passed away oh my God. and I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was um, nose diving into grieving right. that I couldn't even find answers for. I then realized that I had to mm-hmm. leave the country. The situation required me to leave the country. It was one of the toughest decisions that I had to make. I was separated with my children for six years before I could actually visit them um, or even them coming over. Because when you go to, um, to foreign countries, um, it's tough wow. to go through the immigration process just to get a visa to um, visit even uh, a next door country. You can't until you get all your documents in order. So I used to communicate with my children over mm-hmm. the phone. And sometimes I wouldn't be able to talk to them for two weeks, three weeks without even knowing what's going on with your children. And then in the process, I lost two of my brothers. I lost my youngest brother. I lost my mom, just 2017. Just last year, 2019, I lost my youngest brother to a heart attack. Um, I had spoken to him a few days before. And then on this Friday evening, I just received a text message that, are you home? I said, yeah, I'm home. And then the next thing, I hear my uncle knocking at the door and he broke the news. I'm like, what? You know? So I had to fly over to Zimbabwe to bury my youngest brother. When I returned, you know, I felt so alone in a world full of people. I didn't know how to deal with the grief because it was just so much. It was it had developed into so much complicated and unresolved grief that I felt I was going nuts. Wow. 
that's when I decided to go um, and write my book. It was actually when I went to this woman retreat. And mm. when I was there, other women were sharing about their stories and their loss. That's when I broke down for the first time. I started crying, going through mm. all my losses that, you know, this is all that happened to me. And then it hit me that I have to do something with all this grief. I have to put it somewhere. I just couldn't handle it anymore. Then that's when the idea to write a book came up. And I took about um, 10 days. I went to Dominican Republic and wrote my book in those 10 days. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was a journey um, full of betrayal, full of pain. And most of the times, you know, when you are a widow, nobody really trains you how to be a widow. Uh, remember overnight I was a wife, a mom to my children. And then the next minute I was a single mom, a widow with no husband. You know, and then later I was an orphan. Like right now, I call myself a 100% orphan because both my parents are gone. It's a bumpy road, but I, I then learned how to pick up myself from all that. I learned how to pick up Gosh. myself from hitting rock bottom uh, and going up the ladder mm -hmm. again. Because what I learned was going through all these life experiences, mm -hmm. people can tell you what to do. But healing is a choice. And I wrote that in my book, that healing is a choice. Uh, people can go for therapy, no matter how many years you go for therapy. But it's up to you to take up um, the information that you are given and to use it to heal your life. I had to make the tough decision, you know, that, you know what, it's time for me to shake off all this pain and use this pain to find a life purpose. So now I'm on a mission to help other women and other individuals that have gone through the same predicament. That uh, most of the times when you are going through so much grief, you feel numb and you feel as if, okay, what's the point of starting again? But um, what I wanna tell the listeners is, you know what? There is life at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. and you can actually find love and be happy again mm -hmm. after you've lost your, your husband or your spouse, that there is life after grief and you can do this. Yes. If I did it, anybody can do it. Right. That is quite the story. Wow. I, I can't even imagine you're so strong for even being here. That's, in, that's incredible in itself. And you mentioned, thank you, thank you. of course, and you mentioned in your book that crying about the pain and loss without taking any action to heal is self-destructive behavior. Did you notice your, yourself doing that a lot? Yes, I did. When I came to North America, because I came just with a suitcase, I walked away from a four-bedroom house full of furniture and my children. I hoped on, on a plane going to a foreign country that I, I had never been there. All I had in my heart was a promise for a new life. But that dream went elusive when I couldn't bring my kids over for the first year. I was crying for years, but still that crying did not bring my children over. It did not uh, heal my pain. It did not bring uh, food on the table for myself and my children. That's when I learned that, you know what? The more mm -hmm. I'm crying, it's killing myself. It's driving people away from me. 
because I also discovered that I was very, very irritable at times. I just couldn't deal with with certain things because uh, to me it was like, why worry about stuff when I am going through all this? Why should I be nice to people when, you know, people have hurt me? Because a lot of people hurt me so bad that I was in a revenge mode. Mm -hmm. What I wanted was to cause pain to those people. But what really frustrated me is Mm -hmm. I couldn't get the platform to do it. I couldn't get that platform. And I was expecting that those people that hurt me would have the courtesy to apologize. And they never did. And it hit me one day that, you know what, I'm holding on to this and thinking that people that hurt me are going to apologize. And they are never going to apologize. Because I remember I even called um, one of my brother-in-laws and I told him that after losing your, your brother after all these years, I have decided to write a book and I'm going to narrate everything that you guys did to me. You were never there for me. None of you guys came forward to support me. And you know what he said to me? He said, well, it's been 19 years and you still haven't forgotten and you still haven't uh, forgotten about it and forgiven. And I'm like, wow, really? He feels entitled to do what he did to me. I was expecting for him to say, you know what? I am so sorry. I didn't know that, you know, what we did really uh, made that um, negative impact on your mm-hmm. life. But it was like, yeah, you were saying, well, it's up to you. Okay? You take it or you leave it. It's your life. And that's when I made that decision. Like, you know what? Holding on to this pain is only killing me, not killing them. Yeah. So I, I found out that, you know, crying about whatever happened in the past without yeah. you taking action, positive action, to help yourself out of it, that's self-destructive behavior because mm-hmm. it's killing you, not the person that did it to you. Absolutely. Which goes hand in hand. You admit that healing and forgiveness are both a continuous process. And as you're mentioning your experience, how can we learn to forgive the past and let go of the brokenness and bitterness? Um, forgiveness is tough, to be honest. It took me a while. I had to pray about it. And I remember even when I was writing that chapter on forgiveness in, in my book, uh, I called my daughter one time, it was four in the morning, and I said, I can't do this. How can I write it? Forgive, forgive people after what they did to me. And then I found out that, you know what, the longer I am holding to this pain, the more sicker I was getting because my blood pressure was really skyrocketing. Um, I had to go for double medication because the figures were so high. I remember one day when I was coming from work, it was 160 over 100 and something. And I was feeling so lightheaded and I was driving. I pulled over. That's when I called my doctor. I said, I don't feel very Mm -hmm. well. And then I called my daughter and I said, my doctor is waiting for me. You have to take me to my doctor. And when he checked my blood pressure, it's like, how were you even driving with this kind of number? Then it hit hit me that, you know what? I'm holding on to so much unforgiveness. I need to let go. 
So the first thing that I learned about forgiveness is you have to forgive yourself for allowing yourself to hold on to that negative energy. One, two, you also have to forgive yourself for holding on to that pain. Because most of the times when you are hurt, you don't know what to do with the pain. And you think that holding on to the pain is like causing the other person pain. But what I discovered is when you hold on to unforgiveness, it's like you're drinking the poison and hoping the person that hurt you to die. But in the meantime, because you drink the poison, it's going to kill you. Smile at that, you know what? You have to learn to let, to, to let go of pain. The longer you hold on to it, it's going to develop into baggage. You look at what happened in your past. And those are the things that we are passing onto our young ones and onto our families. You hear about generational curses. This is how we pass generational curses. Because after I learned that, I sat down and I looked at even my mom's life. She had people that had hurt her previously in her life when she was still alive. And uh, she used to talk about it like so and so really hurt me. I cannot even imagine forgiving them. And then I looked back at myself. I said, you know, if I don't let go of this, this is a generational case that I'm also passing on to my children. And it's going to stop with me. But it wasn't easy. I had to learn to pray about it. Like, God, give me the strength to let go. It's a process. It's like healing. It's not like a one-day thing or a quick fix. No, I don't want to lie about that. The truth is you have to learn how to do it step by step. And you also have to learn why are you going to forgive that person that hurt you? Why? Why are you forgiving them? And then after that, you'll be able to find your peace because you'll be able to let go of that pain and also find the benefits of letting go of the pain Like right now, I feel so light, you know, and my blood pressure is back Mm -hmm. to normal because I let go of that gunk. It was killing me. And when I was able to meet up with my brother-in-law, he was actually surprised at how happy I was to see him. And what I wanted to show show him was like, you know what, what you did does not affect me anymore. It's affecting you because you are the one that did it, not me. Yeah. So now I'm like, you know, a fresh woman, a happy, bubbly person again, because I was able to let it go. But it's not easy. It's a process. When you were at point A, when you made that decision to no longer sit in that grief, How long did it take you to get to point B where you're feeling back to yourself and happy and healthy? For me, it took me a very long time because I remember uh, before my mom passed away in in 2015, that's when I started um, a lot of self-development courses. Mm -hmm. A year before that, I had lost one of my best friends. That's when it really hit me because she always used to tell me, when we would sit down and um, go through our emotions and our grieving, because she was also a widow. 
And I remember the last few words that she told me was, uh, you know what, Rosemary, I don't want you to die from the grief from your husband. Don't let the loss of your husband take your life. And I sat down one day, I started thinking about it. I'm like, she was right. If I don't do something about all this pain, it's going to kill me. And my children are the ones that are going to suffer. But you honestly have to, to put in the work. It's not easy. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. That's what I tell my clients, that you know what? It doesn't matter if this program worked fast for, for Lady B. But you are Lady E. You need to put in your work to make sure that you are able to, to go through the process. And it takes commitment too. You have to, co to be committed to change your life because turning a page that you have been familiar to reading and seeing is tough, you know? And for me, because I came to North America yeah. as an immigrant, it was hard. I had to go through all these shocks, like language shock. We speak English differently from what North Americans do. You know, we speak the British language, the Queen's language, but here in America, they speak differently. They spell words differently. I was the college lecturer back home. I come here, my qualifications could not be um, re-evaluated there and there. They told me I had to go back to college for two years. I'm like, really? I have three kids at home oh my God. that needs um, to go through education. And I'm a single parent now. How am I going to do that? You know, I had to go back and start working menial jobs. Yeah. But I was determined. I was determined to make sure that, you know, I had to do this. But at the back of my mind, that grief still used to creep up on me. And although I was determined to bring my kids over, I was a very unemotional person. Mm -hmm. You know, I was emotionally absent. I would be able to cut people off in traffic. If you did this to me, you step on my toe and I would give it back to you. You know, I was that bad. And then it just happened to me that one day my eldest daughter said, Ma, you have changed. You are no longer the kind person that we used to know. What's going on? That's when I realized, I have to do something about this. It's not me to be so nasty at people, is to be so disrespectful. So I was using my pain to transfer it to other people and cause more pain on other people hoping that, you know, uh, I would call it evil. But all these people that I was hurting in yeah. the process were innocent people. They knew nothing about my struggles. You know, after that, I realized that, you know what, sometimes you need people like that that will just tell you the truth. But you know what, Rose, look at your life. Take a step back and look at what you're doing right now. Things are not well. You have changed. You are no longer the same person that you used to. So after that, you know, I started looking at myself after I had gone through all these self-development programs. But what really helped me was writing my book in 2019. It really helped me to remove all this pain that was in me, transferring it onto a book and use that book as a healing manual. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with the world. It helped you and it's helping other people. That's the 
greatest gift of all. You have such, you've gained such perspective from a really horrible lifelong experience that no one would ever wish to go through. But here you are greater than ever because you conquered that experience. So my last question to you and hearing all of your experience and, and valuable insights, I know you'll have just probably the deepest and most beautiful answer to my next question. It's what does love mean to you? I had to take a breather on that. Um, Love for me is like refuge. It's like your comfort. It's like your your go-to thing. Because when you have love, you don't realize how important it is until you lose it. It's like your umbrella when you're walking into the rain. You need something to cover your head, your hair, your makeup, and you use your umbrella. That's love. It's like a protector for you. You know, when you have had a hard day, you need somewhere to go and somebody will comfort you. Um, Love is like a shoulder to cry on. When you go through hard times, you need that one person that you, you will talk to and empty on and vent on. Love is like your piece of chocolate that you eat in the car. It's like love. You need that when you, are, when you feel that something is missing on, or when you feel that you are losing your grip, you hold on to love. And the love makes the world go round. Without love, we wouldn't be around. People don't realize how much it means to have people that love you until you are in the diaspora like what I did alone. That's when you realize, wow, I had loved before. Now I don't have it anymore. And people take it for granted when they have people that love them. They take it for granted until they lose it. That's when they will think, wow, this is how it feels to go without love. You're absolutely correct. I'm getting teary-eyed over here. That was... That was just spot on. I loved every minute of your explanation, every second of your explanation. Thank you so much for your time, Rosemary. This was everything we needed. And I'm saying we as the listeners and myself, because I am just here listening to your beautiful soul and your strong story. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much, Selena, for having me on your show. Absolutely. And where can people get your book from? It's on Amazon. It's in Kindle version, it's in paperback version, and now it's also in audio. So for those that don't want to read, they can buy the audio version. To keep up to date with Rose, you can find her direct links provided in this episode's show notes. And to keep up to date with me, you can follow me on Instagram at selena.justine, as well as my website, collectivelyreal.com. Also, if you're a fan of this podcast, please subscribe, comment, and review. It would really mean the world to me. Thanks so much, and until next time.